everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life ready. In our podcasts, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. for the Military Child Education Coalition's podcast, For the Sake of the Child. I'm Tara Gleason, parent-to-parent educator, military spouse, and your host for today. Today we're going to talk to General Will Fraser, the INSEC Board Chairman. First of all, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about you and your role? Hi, Tara. Yeah, thank you very much, and I really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk a little bit about MSEC. My role is, uh, as chairman of the board is to uh, provide strategic direction and guidance to uh, our MSEC team, uh, along with those of our board which we're very honored to have some real experts from uh, the military, but also from the uh, education uh, perspective as we, uh, as we continue to focus on the military child and uh, all the challenges uh, that they have. We uh, are very proud of our board and the membership there and are uh, honored to have them all be a part of it. So thinking about your time as a military parent and now as a grandparent and drawing upon your experience as a commander, what advice do you have for parents to help their children understand that they serve too and that they can contribute in important ways to the communities and schools? Well, first off, let me say that uh, I think it's very important that, that the parents realize that their kids are serving. Uh, and so, therefore, it's important that they make them a part of the process whenever it comes up to having an understanding of, uh, let's say, a permanent change of station. You know, our, our kids are all different. Uh, and like you said, as a grandparent now, and my uh, daughter ha- is married to uh, an Air Force officer, and she's got Four kids. So now I get to see it as a grandparent and how those kids are serving. Uh, and, and they really are because they are a, a critical component to making sure that um, their father uh, has the opportunities to stay focused on uh, his job and what he's doing. But they also show great interest in what he's doing and making him feel good about his service, but he also makes them feel very good about their service and their understanding because he's been deployed a number of times. Well, my children were the same way as uh, we traveled, as we had dislocations, and we had opportunities to move to, uh, to different places around the world. I then began to realize that they're really sacrificing and serving too. 
They're not just staying in one place the whole time, building those relationships, those friendships, uh, like a number of kids who don't move around. And therefore, each of my children uh, handled it differently. Uh, and, and as they were serving, they were also uh, experiencing some challenges. Uh, one child accepted moves much better, saw it as an opportunity, new friendships, new relationships. But the other child saw it as a stress and as a challenge because they, they wanted to plant roots, they had good friends, and they didn't have an understanding of why they had to uh, move to a, to another location. But our children are serving as they follow their parents around the military or as they contend with separations due to uh, temporary duty travel or long deployments or multiple deployments. Uh, and so they're all serving in different ways to, uh, to help the family uh, understand what's going on and the sacrifices that are necessary at a particular time. So it's very important that they be a part of that. The other thing I think it's important is for our children to talk to their friends and to their communities about their experiences. I've always found it fascinating when our children get to travel to different locations, the different experiences they have, then when they move to a new location, they'll find friends who and, and establish relationships and friends that may have not had opportunities like they've had. And so I remember my children after an overseas assignment coming back to the States and they talked about, oh, yeah, I've been here, I've been there, I've done this, I've seen that. And, and even the teachers at time would question them and say, wait a minute, you can't been to of all those places or had those various experiences. And then they would just smile. They said, yes, I can, because I lived there. I did this. And because my father was serving, I got these different experiences. And, and so even the teachers didn't have an understanding of uh, our children and where they had been, the experiences they had, and then teachers were able to tap that uh, experience that they had had to explain it to others in the classroom when they had not had the opportunity maybe to have ever even been in a different school system or traveled outside of state. That, that's not uncommon in some, some places where our bases, our posts are, are located. So all our children are serving. They're making sacrifices. We need to make them a part of the process uh, and keep them informed, keep them engaged. But parents need to have an understanding that each child is going to handle it a little bit different too. And a parent right. needs to be be a parent needs to be equipped with the tools to help their children through that uh, process, whether it's a long separation or an actual change of station. Right, and I like that you talked about uh, kids having the opportunity to share their stories. So we know that this is April, and it's the month of the military child. And many times, you know, communities and schools hold events to give military kids that opportunity to shine and share their story. Um, what are your observations about how support and opportunities for our military-connected children have developed over the years? And where do you see any gaps? 
Well, I think, uh, well, first off, I think it's great that the military child has been singled out and that April is the month of the military child. Of course, personally, I'll say every month, every day, uh, is about the military child and their service and, and the sacrifices that they're making on behalf of their serving adult parent, uh, however you want to, to phrase that. But my observation is, is that as the military has gotten smaller, uh, that there's increased opportunities for our military-connected children to uh, educate the schools that they're in, educate the uh, uh, other students in their classroom about their various experiences. So, so we're not in as many different locations, but then when we do come to new locations, we're able to bring those different experiences and, and educate uh, our teachers, but educate uh, other students who may be in the local community. Where, where I see the gaps is a, a lack of understanding, I think, by um, individuals who've not had the experiences or uh, opportunities to move to other locations that they don't understand what uh, our military children go through. Uh, to be uprooted and to change from one community to another community because uh, it's different moving stateside, stateside, but it's also different moving overseas and back to the states or likewise states to overseas. So they're going to have these different uh, opportunities there. And, and so the gaps exist. We need to recognize where those gaps are and the understanding of the challenges that our military children have uh, and make sure that we're fulfilling those uh, those education priorities. As we look forward to celebrating our 20th anniversary, what are your insights about where we here at the Military Child Education Coalition are now and where we need to focus in the next few years in our mission to make a difference for children? Well, I think uh, in our 20 years, we've really come a long way uh, in uh, educating um administrators, uh, teachers, superintendents about our military children, but I also think we've developed uh, special tools over time and programs that are also aiding our parents and aiding our children uh, in, uh, in understanding the, uh, the military child, understanding the uh, environment in which they live and as they transition. I also think, as I look towards the future, that we're going to continue to be extremely relevant. We are going to continue to have a military. We're going to continue to have children who are serving. And it's very mm -hmm. important that these uh, that these superintendents, administrators, uh, servants in the education program uh, understand uh, the uniqueness of our military children and the challenges that they have. But I also think it's very important as we look to the future, what are the impacts uh, of new policies, of new procedures that come down? So in light of the Every Student Succeed Act, we need to understand that. And what opportunities does that give us as MSEC to uh, look forward to the future, identify where gaps or seams may be, and then make sure that we're taking care of that for our military children? but also for the community leaders and our educators. Right, so that they have the tools to better support, you know, the, the military children. Exactly, because as, as we have adapted and changed over the years ourselves and have seen a need, seen a requirement, 
we've made sure that we've developed the various programs and the tools uh, to help everyone, and that's that's where I still see a need for uh, MSEC in the future. The the other place is just making sure that uh, we have the tools in place that allow uh, others to come to uh, MSEC, come to our sites, and learn about communities that they may be moving to. We have a number of different coordinators. They help facilitate uh, our sites, fill it with lots of information. So we have a way, as parents are looking to move from one location to another location, to go on our sites, take a look at it, uh, and then get connected early and get educated as they're going from one location to another. And I I hear a lot of positive things about that and the fact that parents didn't know that that was there. It also mm-hmm. helped facilitate their transition as they move from one location to another. They then, the parents, communicate with their children. They talk to them, find out what their concerns, anxieties may be, uh, and be able to answer some of their questions to help facilitate a, a smooth transition to another location. So so that's, that's where I get excited about the fact we're using the technology and the tools that are available to us today to uh, educate both parents as well as, as children, our children-to-children, our uh, uh, parent-to-parent program uh, and, and our convenings that we're having uh, is, is just really where it is in the future to open up those lines of communications and continue to be a learning organization and filling those, those needs as we look forward in the future. And I think it also gives the opportunity for that warm handoff and to lessen those gaps. Sometimes when you can make that communication early, you can set the stage for when you get there. So if you have, say, a child that has an IEP, um, you can call ahead, start making those connections, know what you're stepping into, create a plan, and they can expect you on the other end when you come. We're actually in the middle of a PCS move ourselves. We're going this summer, and I'm actually down visiting our new um, location. So it's yeah. – and I have, I have personally used the tools on our website in the past, so you're absolutely right about that. So what well, are you- and I, I we, so have so have we, and so has my daughter, uh, as mm-hmm. they've gone from one location to another, and allowed them to make decisions uh, ahead of time and plan ahead of time, which can take mm-hmm. a lot of the anxiety out of uh, the, the 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 movement from one location to another and set themselves on a path for success. Right, absolutely. So what is your message about military-connected children that you desire for all of America to take to heart? Well, what I want all of America to realize is that our military-connected children are serving, just as their parents are. Uh, and, And it's very important for them to know that, to understand that, and then to also see what's possible for them to do to support our military children, and uh, I, I think that's very key as we look forward to to the future. We know a large number of our military-connected children, because of the experiences they've had, grow up to be individuals who are also wanting to serve. Right, 40% uh, and, and I, I think it is, isn't it? 40%? Yeah, it's... It sure is, and and mm-hmm. so making sure that they have these good experiences, uh, they already know what it means to serve. They know what it means about selfless service and sacrifice. 
But the more important thing they know about is how to be resilient. You can't uh, travel and move and be dislocated or have parents who are deployed a lot and not be a resilient person. And and so they need to realize that and, uh, and, and do everything they can to, one, know, understand, and make sure that various programs are in place to, to make every child successful. So this podcast is all about telling stories. So we couldn't let you go without you having um, to share one of your personal stories. We know through your 40 years of military service that your family encountered PCS moves and times that you were away. So I'm going to ask you to switch hats for a minute, and you already have a little bit at the beginning, to your dad hat and share with us one of your favorite stories of resilience about your military kids as they were growing up living the military lifestyle. Well, um, th- there's so many uh, stories uh, that that I guess I I could tell, but uh, one story that that comes to mind is uh, when we were moving from overseas back stateside, uh, and to find out that because it was the middle of a school year, uh, that our, our our children would. Uh, have basically lost a whole semester as uh, they were moving back to uh, the United States. Uh, but yet we managed to work it through the system uh, to allow them to finish their semester uh, mm-hmm. where we were assigned at that particular time to not lose the semester that uh, they had already had. Uh, and so it, it, it showed me that, uh, one, the flexibility, adaptability to the military system to allow us to do that, but it also showed the resilience of our children uh, that they were able to uh, do without uh, one of the parents for some time period in an overseas location uh, and then join us, uh, join me uh, as I had already moved at the middle of the year later on. And... Uh, it, it, it was just amazing how resilient they were to accept that in an overseas location. I mean, that's hard. It's bad enough stateside, but it's more difficult when I look back at the particular time I was serving. You only had dial-up Internet. Uh, you couldn't just pick up your cell phone and call overseas. You had all kinds of other restrictions that, that people don't understand that you have nowadays, uh, the ease and flexibility to be able to communicate. It was not there then. We still used a lot of snail mail. We still mm-hmm. taped a lot of movies to send back overseas on uh, v- VHS, <laughs> you know, the, these types of things. Uh, and so they're, they're different experiences that they had, even compared to ch- children nowadays, you know. Thank you so much for for talking with us today. Who knows, we might get a chance to meet in person this summer at our NCS, and uh, maybe we'll get a chance to talk to you again there. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks, Tara. I, I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for uh, for everything you're doing to uh, to help out our military connected children. So it was really nice to speak to our chairman of the board here at NSEC about, you know, the vision of Infect and where we're going. And he was really easy to talk to and shared some really great stories with us. There's a couple of things that we talked about that we wanted to touch on here. 
today. Um, this is the month of the military child. April is the month of the military child, right, Luis? And uh, we have a great toolkit on our website. We do. It's called the uh, MOMC Toolkit. So uh, if you go to our MSEC website, right on that first page, it's the toolkit will come up, and it can be downloaded straight from our website onto your computer. And it helps you in promoting positive recognition for all military kids. So um, there's some free resources available for download. There's a poster. There are some purple up stickers. Uh, purple is the color for military children, so those stickers are really fun. And there's also two different certificates that can be edited, and you can add a child's name right on there. And both the certificates state uh, that we are proud of you, but they each have a, a different little graphic on them, so you can check those out and download those to your to your own system. And take advantage yeah. of this kit and acknowledge all those military kids that you know by recognizing that as we've mentioned before, too, is that they serve, too. Tara? Right. Yeah, it's great. That way, you know, if you don't know where to start, that's exactly where you can start, right there in your community, just downloading that toolkit, and, and uh, a teacher can do it, anyone out in the community, really, even a parent. So that's really great. We also, we talked about a little bit about the ESSA, the Every Student Succeeds Act. And for, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about what that is, because some people don't realize what that is. It's actually an education policy, and it recognizes that the military-connected students who also serve, um, it, it was signed back in December of 2015, and it also added later on the military student identifier, and that right now is only for active duty military students, and, and really here at NSEC, we'd like to see that extended to our reserve and, and guard families as well, because those children have very unique challenges as well, and uh, it would be great to have them involved in that student identifier as as that legislation changes and that policy changes down the road. And, and this policy is going to allow for educators and policymakers to understand how military kids are performing in school. In the past, there's been no real reliable, consistent school-based data on the academic health of military kids in public schools. And this, every student that sees that act, it actually changes that. It, it gives the ability to be able to provide um, data that can lead to better programming. And it also allows the school to be aware that military kids are even in the schools. I actually registered my kids here in the state of Illinois, and they had a little box, and I was so excited um, to see that. And then my kids were recognized by the school as being military kids, and that allows the teachers to be attentive to their needs, their unique academic needs, and also their social and emotional well-being as well. So I just think that's great as we move forward and, and see more educational policy for military-connected kids. He also talked a little bit about the base locator, and his family has used it, and, and our family has used that. I want to be more specific on how you as listeners can access that. Right now, it's under our school quest area. We're going to merge that with our militarychild.org website this summer, but you could still find it under school quest, and it's um, the find and compare schools tool, and you can click in your installation or even just your zip code, and it's an excellent tool as you're trying to make decisions 
about where to live so that your children can get the, the very best educational opportunities that, that you would like. Um, so that is the, where you would find that under our school quest on our website. Um, so, Tara, talk- I wanted oh, – oh, go ahead. So I just wanted to um, mention also when uh, General Frazier, at one point he mentioned in his career that he had to move back to the States while his right. family stayed – yeah, his family had to stay in – they chose to stay in a foreign country to finish out that school year, mainly because their children were – if they moved ahead with him, they weren't going to get full credit at their new school for the work they were doing in their current school. So one thing that's happening now in, in for military families now is that there's a compact in place, and it's it's now signed by all 50 states. And the compact deals with the challenges of military children and their frequent relocations, and it it allows for the uniform treatment as military children transfer between school districts. So this piece of legislation, it has its name. It's called the Interstate Commission on Educational Opportunity for Military Children. And just like all military, it has an acronym, and it's called MIC-3, which is M-I-C with the number three. And I want to mention um, some of the areas that the MIC-3 will cover to help all of your families as you're moving around. So just keep this in your mind when you're getting ready to transition or when you do transition. So the compact specifically impacts military children in a number of areas. So it helps in the transfer of credits, in course sequencing. It helps the juniors and seniors when they're doing their graduation requirements. It also allows for an exclusion from extracurricular activities. It helps cover kids if they, you know, are involved in activities outside of academics. Um, it also helps cover redundant or missed entrance or exit testing that some states have those sorts of testing in their curriculum. And that kindergarten and first grade entrance variances, since kindergarten start dates vary from state to state, and it helps cover that for families as well. And then the last piece it talks about is the power of a custodial parent while parents are deployed. So um, it is you do need to have certain requirements need to be met in order to qualify to use all of these services of the, the compact. And so we recommend that you actually check out the MIC-3's website, and the site for that is www.mic3.net. But also we recommend you go to our website at militarychild.org because our MSEC webinar team has presented a, a whole webinar just on the compact and what it can do to aid you and your family as you transition. So you can access that webinar by, again, going to our website, and then at the top of the page there's a tab for parents and students. You can click on that, and then that drop-down menu will give you webinars, and then you'll see just scroll through and look for that MIC-3 topic. So we're hoping that I'll help you all as you transition, and, and just be made aware that there are this legislation is in place to help your kids kind of le- level that playing field. So utilize that for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. We were chatting right after we got off the podcast with General Fraser, and, and Luis brought that up to me, and I was like, that's so great to share with families. The more that we can let people know about that mix 3 so many families still don't know about it. So I'm glad you brought it up. 
I want to thank you all again for listening to our podcast for the sake of the child today. We would like to invite you to visit our website, and we've mentioned it a couple times, www.militarychild.org. Like the insect on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.